Our scripture lesson today comes from the good news, the gospel, according to St. Luke chapter 8. This is a beautiful story about the power and grace of Jesus. Let's share in God's good word together. One day, he and his disciples got in a boat. Let's cross the lake, he said, and off they went. It was smooth sailing, and he fell asleep. A terrific storm came up suddenly on the lake. Water poured in, and they were about to capsize. They woke Jesus. Master, master, we're going to drown. Getting to his feet, he told the wind, silence, and the waves quiet down. They did it. The lake became smooth as glass. Then he said to his disciples, why can't you trust me? They were in absolute awe, staggered and stammering. Who is this anyway? He calls out to the winds and sea, and they do what he tells them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it is Bible school week, friends. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. It's like my favorite week of the year. There's like Christmas, Bible school, Easter. Not in that order, but it's pretty close. I mean, it's just great to see... So many children here, so many adults helping. Um, It's really uh, the one week of the year where we just get to be family together. We get to hang out. We get to eat dinner uh, together and see one another every night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night's the big party, the worship experience. If you have your sermon notes, I invite you to take them out as we look at what we're going to be teaching the little ones. Because our hope is that every person in our church family knows what's going on, knows what we're teaching the children and that we're helping teach the children together. So uh, even if you don't have children of your own that are participating, we hope that you'll come and be a part, uh, help in some way. Uh, I always think that Bible school is absolutely successful if we keep them out of the pond and out of the parking lot uh, and they learn something about Jesus. That's really good week. And lose no kids uh, because we're dealing with hundreds of children now, not just a few. And so you might wonder, well, why Bible school? Um, not all churches in town do Bible school. There's some that have sort of given that up over time because it's very expensive. It's very time intensive. Uh, it's difficult to do. Um, and, and, you know, it, it can be kind of tough. And this is why, I think. Um, many of you all know that I'm a, a fan of Brian Doyle and the things that he writes. And he wrote this about children. And I want to share pieces of it with you. He says, you know and I know The children are really and truly, no exaggeration, the future of the planet. Soon enough, we will be in their grubby, gentle hands. And they will be making all the crucial decisions about clean water and wars and health care and decrepits like us. They are the very definition of innocent. And every single blow and shout and fear that rains down upon them is utterly undeserved and unfair and unwarranted. We used to be them. And we remember what it is to be little. Dimly, yes, what it was like to be small and frightened and confused. And we say one thing about children as a nation and a people and a species, but we do another. Even the best of us, the mothers and fathers and teachers and nurses and doctors and counselors and nuns and coaches and other sweet patient souls who listen to children with their hearts cannot hope to reach more than a few. And so, so many still go unheard, unwitnessed, unmoored unmourned but not this week friends this week is bible school this week is the week that we all come together all of us we come together we work together we love kids together by the hundreds not just the few and not just quote our kids we love all kids whoever god brings to us and it takes all of us the best of us 
Because if we are any shard or shred of the people we want to be as Americans or human beings, as Christians, we have got to take care of the children before we do anything else at all. We have to teach them and feed them and clothe them and nurse and doctor them and house them and hold them and be patient as they thrash toward who they might become if they only get enough light and water and song. But you know, and I know, that for every two or three that we raise decently this week, another is lost. That in Oklahoma alone, there are thousands of them who did not eat today, who cannot go to the doctor when they need to, who have no bedroom, who hear no parent moaning about the dishes or growling about homework, who have no glimmering hopes at all, no dreams. And I know how incredibly hard most of us work on behalf of every kid we know, and I know more brave and weary people breaking their backs for kids these days than I can even count. But there are a lot of kids still, a lot of kids that we don't help, lost kids, scared kids. And so our question is, how can we bend the bruised and blessed world and save them, those children of God? Because they're all our kids. Every kid you lock eyes with are our kids. And all they want, all they've ever wanted, is us. And we can't do everything but we can do Bible school for every child who wants to come, and we will. VBS starts Tuesday. Show up. Enjoy. It's a great time. So that's the why of Bible school. What about the what of Bible school? On Tuesday, we're going to teach the kid that God helps. God helps. Will you say that with me? God helps. And we're going to look all the way at the beginning of the Bible. There's Genesis, and then there's Exodus. And in Exodus 2, we find this amazing story about Moses. The woman, Moses' mom, conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him for three months because they were killing all the baby boys at the time. And when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch, made a little ark, and she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of a river. And his sister, his sister, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. And the daughter of the Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and while her attendants walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. And when she opened it, she saw the child Moses. And he was crying, and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister, still on the scene, said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Now, this is a great story, uh, one of the great stories of the Bible, but it's also a great story for kids. Because what the children are able to see in this story is that God helps a little baby through the actions of his big sister. And I think so oftentimes we somehow discount the very important role it is of what it is to be a big sister or a big brother or a little brother or a niece or a nephew or aunt or an uncle or a mom or dad. That this is God's work. God helps the world by helping one another, even in our own families. Imagine what the story might have been like had Moses' big sister not been watching after him and his mom making sure that he got into the Nile River. You see, God can use anyone. God can use you. God can use me. God can use a big sister. So I want you to think about in your own life. We'll ask the kids to do this on Tuesday night. When has God helped you? If you give me a little space there to kind of write a note to think about. It's great to celebrate the things that God has done for us. When has God helped you? And equally important, when have you been God's helper? When have you been that big sister or that big brother or that helper of God? 
I love the way Mr. Rogers uh, says it. He says, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. To this day, especially in times of disaster, I remember my mother's words, he says. I'm always comforted by realizing that there are still so many helpers, so many caring people in this world. Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now, if you're my age or older, you know him. If you're one of the young ones, you're like, I don't know who he's talking about. That's okay. Fred Rogers is awesome. Look for the helpers. And here's the thing. When tragedies happen all around the world, this little meme will pop up. And you'll see it from time to time. And, it, and Fred's mom's right. Look for the helpers. And then ask the question, am I a helper? Am I God's helper in this world? Am I a helper of the world? Am I a healer of the world? And as it's true with Mr. Rogers, as it was true with his mother, as it's true with Moses' sister, God's help can come however God chooses. However God chooses. Some of the most miserable people I've ever met in my life are people who refuse God's help because it doesn't come in the form they expected it or demanded it. It's how it is. God helps, but we do not get to choose how God will help us. We don't get to choose whether God miraculously heals us this way or with medicine or with a doctor or with a surgery. We don't get to choose that. God helps, comes, but it comes however God chooses. And we are invited to be God's helpers too. You are invited to be one of God's helpers. And so that's what we're talking about on Tuesday night. On Wednesday night, we're going to talk about that God loves. Will you say that with me? God loves, so important that the children know this. So the story is about, uh, in, on, on this night, on Wednesday night, about Jesus' baptism. And when Jesus comes up out of the water, we hear this voice. This is my son whom I dearly love. I find happiness in him. So before Jesus ever starts his public ministry, he has been in his mom and dad's house for 30 years doing whatever they ask him to do, carpentry, cleaning up the house, taking care of the brothers and sisters, whatever it is, he's been there. And as he begins his ministry, he humbles himself before his cousin John, who had said, oh, you're the Messiah, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus says, no, I need to be obedient in this, I need to be humble in this, you baptize me. John does, and the very sky breaks open, and a voice from heaven declares, this is my son, Jesus, listen to him, I dearly love him, I find happiness in him, he is mine. We find that Jesus is chosen, that's your blank there, chosen, loved, and delighted in by God. This is so important, friends. So important. And, and if you were to want to, you could go to the, to the very spot that this happened. You could go to the Jordan River, and I'd love to tell you that it's beautiful, clear water. It's not, it's kind of gross. Um, but it's there. You can go right to where Jesus was baptized. Dark, murky water, kind of sandy and muddy. Uh, and, but here's the thing. You never know where the Spirit's going to show up. You never know what God's going to choose to do. And when Chantel and I were there uh, last April of 2015, we saw this young woman, uh, seemed to be a, a European family, and she gave her life to Christ right there. We didn't understand a word of what they were saying, but we knew what was going on. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. Seeing that Acts 2 uh, vision come right before our eyes. We, we didn't know a word, but we knew exactly what was going on. It was beautiful. And, and as I imagine, as she came up out of the water, um, in my own mind, I could, I could hear the Lord's voice again. 
This is my daughter. I love her. With her, I'm well pleased. And here's the thing, friends. This will blow your mind. He says the exact same thing about you. About every child on the planet. You are my beloved. I love you. You are awesome. You are wonderfully, fearfully, wonderfully made. Chosen, loved, and delighted by God. Will you say this with me? You are chosen, loved, and delighted in by God. And now if you're really brave, say this with me. I am chosen, loved, and delighted in by God. Absolutely true. I've been taken with the work of Dr. Brene Brown of late. She's a researcher uh, and a professor at the University of Houston, graduate college of social work. And what she has found with people who are wonderfully healthy and uh, wholehearted people living into the life that God has given them, she basically says that being wholehearted comes down to this, that people who basically have these wonderful, rich lives are people who simply believe this one thing, that they are worthy of love and belonging. And that's the message of Christ, that you are worthy of love and belonging because Christ calls you his own. And of course, the opposite is true as well. The absence of love and belonging is what leads to suffering. And so on Wednesday night, we're going to remind the children that God loves them and God loves you and that God delights in you. And then accepting that we are loved and worthy without prerequisite changes everything. Changes our work, our play, our relationships and how we face trials. And then, of course, we come to Thursday. We come to the scripture that we read tonight. And this is where God calms the storm. Jesus calms the storm. And the story in the NRSV goes like this. One day he got into a boat, Jesus did, with his disciples. He was very tired from teaching and preaching all around the Sea of Galilee. And he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out, and while they were sailing, he fell asleep, wiped out from the day's work, trusting in that these were professional fishermen. They knew what they were doing, and in his father creator of heaven and earth and a windstorm swept down the lake and the boat was filling with water and they were in danger and they went to him and they woke jesus up and they shouted master master we are drowning we are perishing and he woke up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was calm and he said to them where's your faith i kind of imagine like this he's like oh where's your faith like i was napping i was having a good dream and they were afraid But they weren't afraid of the wind and the waves anymore. They were afraid of him because they knew his power. They were amazed. And they said to one another, who is this? Who then is this that he commands Jesus, even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Now, this is not an unusual occurrence that there would be a quick storm on the sea. But what they had never seen was that it got calm again. And the reason is this. Uh, The sea right here is about 600 feet below sea level. And as you look out, it's surrounded by mountain ranges on either side. And as you can tell, the rivers that run into it over time have developed these deep, deep ravines. Uh, And it pulls uh, the air off of the mountains and down through these ravines, and it rushes onto the sea. And so you get a squall out of nowhere, just boom, right down these ravines, because you have these huge mountains and these ravines, and then out of nowhere, you just get a quick storm. Um, and it's a really, really large lake. It's not really a sea uh, like the ocean, but it's, it's really big. And so there are boats on it. You can um, see it. Chantel and I had the great opportunity to be there last April. This is one of the tour boats that you go out on. Um, it, it seats about 20 to 40 people. Uh, but that would not have been the boat that Jesus was on. Uh, the boat that Jesus would have been on probably would have looked much more like this. Uh, this is a 2,000-year-old boat uh, that has been recovered from the Sea of Galilee. They call it the Jesus Boat. And you can see that it's about big enough for maybe four or five people. 
um, and for somebody to lay down and other people to be around them. And, and you get a really big squall on uh, the Sea of Galilee, um, it's going to go down. And they were afraid. They were really afraid out in the middle of the sea. And so Jesus, asleep, perfectly at peace, uh, is in the boat with professional fishermen. Right? These, it wasn't their first time on the lake. Let's just say that. And they were terrified. And Jesus is sleeping. Have you ever felt like Jesus was asleep in your life? That all of this stuff was going around, you know, and you're like, hey, Jesus, wake up. I'm drowning over here. I'm perishing. And I just kind of imagine Jesus kind of grins like, yeah, Mark, what? You're doing okay? I love you. Remember, I'm still here. But we, I think, are well represented by the disciples. We're like, hey, Jesus, seriously, wake up. Big storm. Right? We feel this way, particularly as we look at our world. Mark 4 says it like this. A great windstorm arose. This story is recounted in all the Gospels. And the waves beat into the boat, so the boat was already being swamped, just the waves coming on in. But when he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, they woke Jesus up and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are drowning? Do you not care that we are perishing? Y'all ever feel that way? You just kind of wonder if Jesus cares. I mean, we know that he loves us, but we just, we're like, hmm, if he really cared, this wouldn't be happening or it wouldn't look this way. And we can forget that he is with us all the time. And so I urge you as best I can, friends, with all I am, please don't wait for the storm to pass before being calmed by God's presence. You don't have to wait for that. You don't have to gut it out on your own and then thank God later that you survived. Ask him now. He's already with you. He's already with you. Don't wait for the storm to pass before being calmed by God's presence, by God's peace. Will you read this with me? Don't wait for the storm to pass before being calmed by God's presence. He's with you. That's the gift of Emmanuel. He is with you. He's with us. God with us. And then Friday, we're going to have a wonderful party here. Uh, the kids will sing. Uh, all the kids will be singing in like three different times. It's going to be a wonderful time. You're not going to want to miss it. It will not look like tonight. Last year we had like 478 people on Friday night. So every seat is filled. You'll want to come early. Uh, and we have fireworks at the end. So that is awesome. So you're not going to miss that. But here's the thing. While it's true that God helps and God loves and God calms the storm, he also sends us out. And so in Isaiah 6, 8, the scripture says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Send me. And so I am so thrilled tonight uh, to have our special guest, Jeremy and Michelle, if you all will come on up. I met Jeremy and Michelle um, in November of last year uh, when I went to Turkey. Um, and so will you all welcome them? There you are. Thank you. Yeah. And so they, they hosted me. Uh, I went over uh, with my friend Michael, and they, they learned me up. Between the two of them, they have nearly 30 years of ministry in Turkey. These young people, I don't yeah. even know how that's possible. <laughs> I moved to Turkey when I was eight. That's how. That helps. Yes. And so um, I wanted to ask uh, Jeremy and Michelle uh, a little bit about uh, the situation in Turkey now, as you understand it, uh, because it's really confusing over here uh, with the coup and all the stuff going on. And like, what does that mean? And, and are you all even going to go back? I mean, did, 
I had somebody ask me, uh, did they get kicked out? Uh, or, and I was like, no, 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 they're just home. They, they already plan on yeah, being home. That's right. And so tell us a little bit about what's going on. Um, well, Turkey's in the news right now, <laughs> which is, can be good and it can be bad for us, I guess, as, as you come home. People are asking, what's going on? You know, so um, a, lot of, a lot of turmoil um, between the current government and uh, people who do not like that cur- the current government. And um, so the military coup means that um, in the Constitution in Turkey that the military can take over if they think the democracy is actually being threatened. And so that's what the military tried to do, allegedly. Um, and so uh, it failed, and now the um, president, um, who is technically second in charge because there's a prime minister who's the head, and then there's a president, um, but the president is actually acting like prime minister um, because but his, his terms were up, but, you know. So all, all have to be said that he is... I'm kind of taking control of things and kicking educators out. I'm not, not kicking them, but he's re- forced, forcing them to resign. Um, and uh, there's a lot of difficult things going on in Turkey right now. But um, God is in control. God is good. Um, and yes, we are going back to Turkey. Yeah. Um, we fully believe that God has called us to Turkey. And when you're called to a place, you don't... Um, we don't feel that God has released us from that calling, even though things are dark there. And we happen to think that when darkness seems to get darker, that light suddenly appears to be brighter. And we believe that we carry the light of Christ. And our desire is to see that many in our nation would come to know him in this season, even this difficult season of turmoil. And the thing to know also is you know, that we don't walk in fear while they're there walking around like, what's going to happen? What's going on? Um, because God's called us there. So when God calls you there, that's basically the safest place you can be wherever God calls yes, you to be. Yes, definitely the safest place. Is wherever God calls you to be. That's Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. And you may wonder, well, aren't we a little uh, kind of a detour from Turkey? Uh, yes, um, but they have family in Kansas, so we're really close yeah. um, from where they were going to be anyway. Absolutely. So they're stopping by to see friends and see us. Uh, and so one of the things that uh, was very different for me when I came to visit last Thanksgiving uh, was that uh, Turkey's around 99% Muslim. Mm-hmm. And so what is it like to work in a country um, that's 99% Muslim? What's your experience there? Uh, because there's a lot of things on anyone's Facebook pages these days uh, about Islam and Muslims and what that's like. We don't have a huge population uh, of Muslims here in Edmond, mm-hmm. uh, comparatively, yeah. for sure. And so what is that like for you all? So just to clarify about Turkey, so Turkey is a predominantly Muslim nation, and even though uh, perhaps the current government is more predominantly Muslim, the Muslims of Turkey, for the most part, are very secular Muslims. They are not um, radical. They are not... um, the ones that are going to the mosque to pray five times a day. If they are, it's probably because their families do that. But in Turkey, during the month of Ramadan of fasting, every year it's less and less and less. The past few years, I haven't been able to tell that it was Ramadan. So 
just to give you a little bit of background about Turkey, this this answer might not go in every Muslim country, but Muslims are truly, hospitality is very important to them. Um, being warm, um, family relationships are very important. And so for us or anyone else that comes there, even just to visit, they desire to give you tea, lots and lots of tea. They desire to invite you into their homes. You might buy a carpet from a guy and he's like, oh, will you come to my house for dinner tomorrow? But because they love relationship and they love connection. And so our experience has been that they're, they're open, they're willing, they're um, very hungry for the truth. And so there isn't any fear in that. Um, obviously, radicalized Islam is a different story, but your average, I would say your average Muslim is like, oh, well, they don't really know what they're doing, even though maybe they are the ones that are actually following the Islamic relig religion to its furthest degree. Your average Muslim is not like that, and they are very warm and very welcoming. Yeah. And so one of the things I wanted uh, you all to be able to meet the congregation, the congregation to meet you, is because we take up an offering around Easter um, and around Christmas time. Um, to really do the Lord's work wherever that might be. And so uh, a good portion of that has been going to support refugees coming through Syria, through Turkey, on to Greece, and through Europe. Yes. And so I know you all have been active uh, in helping in that situation over the last number of years now. And yeah. um, how, about how many million uh, refugees are in Turkey now? Um, the last estimate that I heard was that it was probably between 8 and 10 million about half of those are registered and half of them are not registered with the government. Yeah, so if you read about it, it's probably like 4 million They would registered. say 4 to 5, Yeah, but it's about twice that. The population of Turkey itself is 80 million. So you see the influx of these refugees coming through in comparison to the actual uh, amount of population, Turkish population, it's, it's, it's pretty substantial. And, and so I wanted to thank you for your work uh, with the refugees. I wanted to thank you for your work uh, with, where did she go? With Stephanie and, um, <laughs> and, and being so wonderful to uh, folks uh, and to me when I came over. Um, and also wanted you all to be able to share whatever you wanted to with the congregation. Well, despite all of the difficult things going on in Turkey right now, in this last season, we have seen God doing amazing things. Um, if you're watching our video that's playing behind us, you probably just saw a bunch of pictures of baptisms. All of those baptisms have happened in the last 12 months and are all people that have recently given their hearts to the Lord. Um, so it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to see what God's doing. We've loved um, having with us and as they're getting started and doing the language learning process we fortunately do not have to do that anymore although we still do work on our Turkish um, but it is a huge commitment and we've just been so blessed by them and their focus and drive so many people come and they're like oh well we can learn the language later and that's not true you can't learn it later you need to learn it now and they have done such a great job with that so we've been really blessed just to see how God is growing his work. Yeah, so, uh, you know, when you first come into a nation, if you really want to be in, impact that nation, to learn, you need, what you need to do is learn the language. And uh, to see Michael and Stephanie and their kids, you know, diving into that has just been really amazing. And um, really being diligent to do that and to do some things. And um, on, on the side of the wall, we really um, hit the language hard is really important because you want to, if you want to minister in a place, uh, you need to learn the language. So, mm -hmm. um, 
it's been amazing to see them and, and, and to partner with them in that even. So. One thing with refugee ministry, um, even though we don't speak Arabic, we speak Turkish, the refugees don't necessarily speak Turkish, but going in, even speaking the language of the nation they're in, it gives, they feel welcomed. And I get asked very often if I am Turkish because I have lived in Turkey for a long time and I, I look relatively Turkish. And I love to be able to go and just speak, speak welcome to them and speak mm -hmm. love to them, even if they don't understand what I'm saying on behalf of the nation that they're in. And we've seen so many people so hungry for the truth. Um, moms sick. We ask if we can pray for them. We pray for them. We see the Holy Spirit touch them and they go and get all of their friends and all of their children and all of their grandchildren and line them up and say, hey, can you pray for each one of us? And it's sometimes it seems so simple in light of their huge need to just take in some physical supplies that they need. But the Lord really truly op uses that to open doors of trust in their hearts where we can minister to spiritual needs as well. Even if we don't speak the same language, the Holy Spirit, the Father, is drawing people to himself. And it's really exciting to see what he's doing. Awesome. And the language is really tough. It's yeah. a very difficult uh, language. Uh, not to put you on the spot here, but can you tell us something in Turkish that just sounds horrible? She said, uh, to be with you all this evening is, is made us very happy. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And, you want to try to say it now? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> nope. It's just so hard. It's just such a hard language. And so... Um, uh, I want to pray for you all before you go, and I want us to be praying for uh, Michael and Stephanie as they learn that very, very difficult yeah, language, um, and so we'll be blessing them, and um, so let me pray for you all, and um, thank you so much for being here this weekend. Thank we you. appreciate it so much. Lord God, we thank you for Jeremy and Michelle, and we ask your blessings on their lives, that you would use them now and in so many wonderful ways, uh, that you'd bless and keep them in their travels, in their ministry. Um, that your closeness and your spirit would empower them now and always in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, amen. amen. We all thank them for being here with us tonight. All right. So you may be wondering, thank you. You may be wondering, um, so what can we do this week? Well, it's the same thing we've been talking about with the kids. Uh, we want to invite you to help and pray for Bible school uh, Tuesday through Friday. Either come and be here and fellowship and help uh, or pray for the kids. Pray uh, for Jeremy and Michelle uh, and all the work that the Lord is doing all around the world. Uh, we also want you to accept God's love for you each day. Uh, because until you really accept God's love for yourself, it's really hard to share it with others. Uh, accept that love. Know that you are loved, wonderfully and fearfully made. Uh, and then um, on the Thursday night lesson, be a calming presence in your home uh, and at your work and in your world. If someone were to describe you, would they say, oh, yeah, they're a great calming presence in my life? Some of y'all are giggling because you know that's not true yet. It can be true. It can be true. Like Jesus bringing calm to the storm. Uh, may God use you to bring calm to the storms in your world. And then finally, friends, go. We go in God's time and God's way and God's love and God's peace and in God's power. And so let's, uh, let's close with this prayer together. If you'll read it with me, the kids will be reading it later this week. God, we admit that storms can scare us. We do not like feeling powerless or dependent. Yet you encourage us to be like little children who come to you at all times. 
When we feel swamped, whether with fear, anger, anxiety, or shame, help us remember that we are not alone. You are with us in the boat, and you are not overwhelmed. Give us your peace. Help us trust you even when the storm continues to rage. In Jesus' name, amen.